Hi, you're listening to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. We build your web apps, your mobile apps, and we build the platforms that power them. And we think we're pretty good. You should get in touch, postlight.com. Or send an email to hello at postlight.com. We kill it. You do this every time, Paul. We're more than pretty good. That's that's it's the best tasting Greek yogurt you can buy. Look, the way I talk about it is I'd hire me. Okay. My name is Rich Ziotti, and I'm the other co-founder and co-host of Postlight. I don't think I ever introduced myself. I'm Paul Ford, co-founder and co-host. Rich, we get letters. We sure do. We, we don't actually answer not, enough email. We have to do better. We got to do better. So we, we're going to do better starting today. Not love letters. I haven't no. gotten a lot of, God, your podcast just makes my week. I think people know that we actually don't even want that. Maybe. No, I think we would find it uncomfortable. Fine. Uh, so we have three big questions to answer. First one's about remote working. Okay. Second one is about iPhone cases. Okay. Third one's about Spotify. Okay, that's a, we're bringing it all together in a wonderfully themed podcast. That's right. The theme is questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's, let's go. Let's answer some questions. Let's, let's start here. This is from our friend Simon King, and he says, Would you consider doing a Track Changes episode on remote working? I know that some of your employees at Postlight work remotely, so perhaps it could draw from personal experience. What makes it work well? How to avoid pitfalls? How to make it work for roles that aren't engineering. I've read the boosterism, but would love to hear your take. So the boosterism, right? Like there's books like that. What does that mean, boosterism? Well, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, hey, working remotely is the best thing ever. Uh, Remote teams are very productive and very effective. Like 37 Signals has that. Been lectured by them for like well, okay. eight years. They're but. they're okay. They are what they are, right? They they have a, a that's a web agency that has a lot of stuff going on, and they great talent. They wrote a book called Rework. Right. They built Basecamp. There's like some guy, one of them, Jason Fried. He's a good looking guy. Look, they're fine. <laughs> this is the thing. There's no. No, he's a really smart guy. There's no actually. problem I'm with 37 signals. They tend to. Uh, they believe what they believe, and they they talk about what they believe. They've been pretty influential, actually. Yeah, and you know, you and I, we change our thoughts with the wind. No, right? yeah, and, yeah. You know, we're we, we're like, what what needs to happen here? And yeah. I think like, what's trendy? Yeah, that's us. Buzzwords, real buzzwordy. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's roll that back and talk about remote work. So, first of all. Give the breakdown of what Postlight looks like in terms of percentage of our company being remote workers so and po- how many. Postlight has uh, around a little over 30 people and about, what, about 15 of them are engineers. I think that's right. And I would say about a little more than half of that is remote. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Okay. It's seven or eight people. And I think that, and then we also have designers and product managers, and they are not remote. They are here. Just, we consciously decided that. We have worked with excellent remote people, especially on design side, but it's very hard in a client service context. People are paying you lots of money, and for some reason, it doesn't seem to work as well to have somebody on a Google Hangout telling them about a graphic design approach as it does to have that person in the room. Correct. And, and, and our clients a, prefer a high-touch yeah. situation. It's a challenge for an agency. However, people don't want to touch engineers as much as they yeah, want to touch Even though they're wonderful and important. 
I think it's a more abstract job. And also, it's, they're larger teams very often. Sometimes we have projects with one or two engineers, and they are in the room, and they are part of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Right, and sometimes we have projects where there's eight engineers and there's one person who's in, in sort of the central contact person, and like lots of other people um, who are contributing, who are engaged, who are on Slack. Yep, and and talking. But so I think there's one thing that does make us very unusual too, which we should put down before we talk about what works and doesn't work with remote culture, is that our director of engineer uh, engineering, who's a, a person named Jeremy Mack, is in Tennessee. He's remote. Yes. The leadership of engineering, even though it's pretty dispersed and the majority are in New York, our head of engineering is in Tennessee, which was, you know, we debated it and said, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I've seen that, uh, but it works. It works really well, actually. I actually think in terms of an engineering leadership, if you're going to have a culture where remote employees are valued as much as local employees... Mm -hmm. The leadership being remote makes a big difference. I think that's right. I think I think Jeremy is very aware. He stays connected to everybody in the same way, whether they're in New York City or whether they are remote. And he's incredibly committed. He's got nobody near him. No, that's right. He's. That's it's right. not like he's got a couple nearby. Well, he, he has a, a spouse and he goes for uh, walks. I meant engineers, Paul. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, I think that that's key. I think that... Leadership having tremendous empathy and awareness Mm -hmm. of remote uh, employees is a big deal. The other thing we do that's critical is we have people – there's two programs. One is we just have remotes week twice a year. We bring everyone in to New York City. Nice enough hotel, like a very pleasant New York City hotel, not too far from the office. Everyone is roughly introverted, and we force them into extroverted situations for about a week. Which can they don't, really wear you down. <laughs> they don't get the monitor that yeah. they were using at home. They don't yeah. like. They have to the use two their, monitors yeah, they were using, or at the home. four monitors. Like yeah. you're just kind of. It's like going to a client's or being on vacation or whatever for but, a whole week. <laughs> and you work. We usually tend to do events and outings, yeah. and like it's a chance for everyone to sort of be in the same room. It's very important. I think it's important. Uh, I find it as management. I find it really important because I want remote employees to stay as present in my mind as people who are but this in isn't office. only about you paul no but, but just in general like if i'm gonna be a good manager here at Postlight, I'm, I'm being ridiculous no i know but, but like you yes. have to remember yes and out of sight out of mind is a real problem it really is and th- there's there is an anxiety that i pick up amongst remote people that is driven by like okay even if i do good work even if i do exceptional work are they going to pick up on that? And I think the, the, the most profound signifier there is that that managers in engineering are both, first of all, the, the leader of the whole department is in Tennessee. Second of all, other managers are remote as well. That's right. And so that's I, right. There's a signal that's really clear there, and it was based on experience and drive and all sorts of things. Well, it's personality and performance driven. Like we're a hyper merit based place. Like I'm, proud to say that we're a fairly apolitical org like people get very sort of repulsed by people get very touchy now about the word merit but i i agree with you what i what you're talking about is performance this person has checked in it's not like what what what? don't don't just don't do it what's wrong with leave it alone leave it alone is this a medium post you stumbled into while on the bus can't do it right now. i'm gonna say merit i want to say it (sighs) 
All right. The issue, yeah, it's a long story involving GitHub and meritocracy. They had a rug made that had the word meritocracy. It just gets real bad. <laughs> it gets real bad. And it, right. its actual careers were. Oh, I actually died. want to hear about no, this. No, no, this is like a horrible scab when, with all of the wounds of our engineering culture. Tremendous. All the things that we have tried not to. Let okay. it happen at Postlight. Anyway, we're performance driven. By yeah. the way, there's a, a rug that's made stop, out of the word stop, performance stop. at Postlight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, look, I mean, we um, are very performance driven. And for actually, the reason a third of or half of engineering or a, a third of the shop is remote is we just looked for the best people. Um, I'm very proud to say the bar is really high here. Well, uh, and I think it's worth it's noting a, too, like it's not a search for a bargain. The people who are working remotely are in the United States and they roughly, you know, their salaries are roughly the same as those in New York City. Oh, absolutely. and and Which is sometimes a little bit like, wait a minute, we have to pay rent here. The cost of living is different in other places. But nonetheless, uh, engineers can Which demand that. fine. I, I mean, some of them own Ferraris, but that's cool. That's you can fine. do whatever you want that's with great. your money. I'm happy. Um, so how do you enable this culture, right? You bring people in to visit. We also have a program called Star Week. Oh, man. Yeah, no, but we got to bring it up. So Star Week is you name someone the star. It's very arbitrary. It, this is not based on performance. It's based on... Just who's who's kind of next in the list. You point and you go, that person's the yep. star. In fact, one of our interns is the next star. That's right. She's about to be celebrated for all of the good work she's done and her internness and all sorts of things. She gets a star balloon. She gets a happy hour, which I don't uh, know if she drinks, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. And uh, and she gets like a... Lunch. She, she gets, gets to pick the company lunch that week. That's right. She picks the company lunch for Wednesday and where it comes from. And she gets lunch with the two co-founders and anyone from the company of her choosing. That's right. There's one more thing. What's that? She controls the playlist. The office Sonos system is powered by the star. So what we noticed from... Uh, we were doing three remote trips a year, and it was like the remotes were getting kind of tired of them. They're pretty exhausting. They're, They're pretty socially exhausting, and you don't get a lot done, and it's different. And it's to be clear, these are not competing with your vacation. Like these are these are just fully qualified. Yeah, you're coming workers. to work in New York, but it's the transition from living in a a nice rural environment, like a you know a semi urban environment, and coming to New York City for a week and having to like be on good behavior it's and pretty jarring talk to the bosses and all that stuff. I think it's like we noticed that people were leaving like limping out of the office. <laughs> and um, so what we did is we switched it up. We made it so that remote people could definitely be stars and, and they would, we were making sure that like remote people will fly in for, and spend a week at the office and just kind of be here with everybody normally. Yeah. And hang out. And that's been great, actually. You get to know people a little bit. You and I definitely have time because of that lunch to sit down with them. and Which is nice. It's, so there are numerous communication channels. And we haven't even gotten to Slack yet, right? But there's numerous communication channels and opportunities to interact. Yep. Um, the same set of privileges. If you want to go to a conference, professional development budget, we offer – there's $2,000 a year. Like all the things – that are normal parts of the job here in New York City apply. I think, look, I think the general message here is that uh, we're really wary uh, of having a, a situation where the remote person feels kind of adrift and not connected to well, the if place. They, if they disconnect from the work... It's a bad scene. Well, we start to lose quality. Yeah, and it's... and and. 
and I think that affects people that are in New York too. I think it, it, it just starts to weird things out and that's, that's not cool. And look, the, the gratification of working in an agency like this is that you get to really hone your craft on multiple kinds of projects. Yes. You're doing lots of things over the course of the year. You're working closely with talent and people and you are focused on improving what you are doing. And it's a sort of natural organic side effect of the place. It's kind of everybody's on a curriculum and everybody is fairly mutually supportive. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, this sounds like self-praise, but if you watch the Slack channel, right now we have a place where I I think people can say, like, I don't understand that. I don't know how to do this. What's the best way to do this? And people step up to help. Yeah. People are pretty open, too. That's right. That's right. So Slack. So Slack is the number one enabling. Or chat. Let's talk about Slack for a minute. If Slack is the number one enabling technology of our remote work. Yeah. By the way, just a quick note, Flowdoc used to be our thing. It was and good. It was good and uh, I don't I don't remember how it happened. I think someone just installed Slack and said, "Hey, I'm also over here." No, you and I installed Slack and we're like, "Hey guys, Slack seems to be going a little further along than than Flowdoc." And the that was the early early days of the company and all the people went under no circumstances will I ever move off of Flowdoc. <laughs> Which felt kind of good. It felt good to not have like this, oh my God, they pulled a power move. Yeah. So it felt nice. But eventually we gave in and went to Slack. Slack and, won. And Slack just won on its merits. Yeah. There were a series of Slack transition channels to help people make the move. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many dimensions of how Slack is organized for us. It's by discipline. Uh, so there's an engineering Slack and there's a... Uh, a design slide a product. Then there's the clients. So for many of our clients, there's a client Slack. Some of those client Slacks are... Let's call them channels. Channels, yeah. Some of those uh, client channels are actually open to the client. Absolutely. We bring the clients in, invite them into our Slack so they can communicate. That's worth noting. I mean, the communication setup between us and the client. Every client... When they're talking to us, like, well, how am I going to know how you're doing? Yeah. How do I, like, are there weekly check-ins, which is, you know, pretty Well, here's what also what happens is the clients often are committed to a certain, like, version of the agile methodology for software development. We yeah. don't have a specific process that we follow. No, we don't. We just work in and chat and put the code in, into the system and it gets done. And I know it, that sounds horrifying. To senior engineering uh, leaders from all kinds of Fortune 100 companies, mm-hmm. but I swear to God, we have really good code quality and stuff gets out the door yep. ten to fifteen it's, times it, faster. I think we're I think we're unusual in that case. Well, I, we got to a point where like a standup is redundant. You you literally are talking all the time. Yep, chatting, talking about code, doing doing uh, pull requests, and people are looking at your code and and so on. And so then you you're going to just stand up and say, well, you know. I did that, and you you helped me do it, and now I'm going to do, go do this, which we already said I was going to do. Yeah, and and it's very effective. I mean, for us and the culture that's taken hold, it's very effective. And um, this people are able to pull back and not like chat all the time too. That's key. Yeah, I mean, there's no requirement. If you need to go in, you had a question. If you're struggling with something, you need to communicate to a client. Fine. We've heard about rules with Slack, like don't sidebar. Uh, we heard that from a product manager at Giphy, right? which is really interesting to hear uh, in that, look, you can talk directly to someone in a, in a one-on-one chat, but don't go off for people and start your own thing and talk. Which can is, I make an observation as someone who's just been around in the world for some decades? Go. Uh, 
you can't enforce and create culture by telling people how to use software. I think I, I take it a level. I think I, I do agree with you. And I take it a level up, which is you can't tell people how to socially connect, I think. No, you just can't. Like, that's a heavy thing to sort of lay down. It's like, oh, I could get in trouble. I'm not going to bring another person into this well, discussion. Well, and then everyone starts patrolling. No sidebars. No sidebars. You know, yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what, that's... I, I, that's a little odd. We don't want it. Look, we like Giffy. Yeah, no. I, I sent probably five or six of them earlier today. I hope they, I, I'm sure their Slack rules work for them. It's just... Basically, our approach is everyone is an adult who knows how to communicate respectfully. And as simple and doofy as that sounds, it's highly effective. And Everybody's an adult. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the crux of it. People can be goofy, but they kind of know that if you want to really goof off, you go over to the random channel. Mm-hmm. And you know, every now and then someone will be like, maybe this is better for random. You and I are terrible abusers because we're not always in Slack. And so sometimes, like, I'll post stupid stuff into mm-hmm. the general channel that should probably be in the random channel. So there's a yeah. little bit of, like, self-segmenting that way. But there's no – no one will – no one yells at anybody else. It's just sort of like – No, it's, 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 it's very peer-driven. It's very uh, – there, there, we have a couple of channels that are honestly just, like, I saw you in the hallway and I have a joke to tell you. Right. Uh, they're, they're just light, ridiculous links get dropped, and people just – take a break and hang around for a bit and it's light and it's social. And I think that's important for the remotes. You know what I, the other incredibly important. uh, There's no specific profile either. We have very young remote employees. We have older remote employees with families. We, I do think that even if they're kind of shy people, sometimes like your average remote employee is, is sort of paradoxically somebody who's pretty good at sitting down and talking with someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, a truly shy person will actually have a harder time being a remote employee because they need to reach out to people without a lot of context and with less confidence. Yeah. They don't have the time that that you get when you're physically in a room sure. for everyone to get used to you. And so I think it actually favors people who are a little more confident and outgoing. But, I mean, not there's no specific range. I think our employees range from yeah. well under 25 to, you know, much older we're not supposed to you're not supposed to talk about age paul it's an hr thing um i think i think those are the tips we can share i mean it's just worked really well um look leadership we didn't say let's go get you know we didn't say let's go get all these people um it's it's something that sort of materialized out of the place because we stuck to a particular philosophy what post light's supposed to be and it just happened to to take hold that way also an experienced remote leader who makes sure to sort of calmly quietly advocate for people who are remote to have access to the rest of the, to the you know the aspects of the organization that are local yep. is key. I you know there's no doubt in anyone's mind that remote employees receive less information about what's happening on the ground than people who are walking around the office. Yeah. You yep. know they don't get the free lunch every Wednesday where everybody's sitting around the table in yep. the same way. Yeah. That said a lot of hangouts too. That's the last thing we didn't, we didn't mention that. But like we have it pretty down to a science. Every room, every TV has a Google Chrome box. If somebody's going to get online for a meeting and sort of be on the screen, it takes a few seconds. It's not, it's very yeah, low impact. It's usually them. such a pain in the ass. That's the thing. So ha- making it very simple for someone to join and interact in a meeting in the office so that it, there is no friction. There's no, like I would never not schedule a remote meeting because it's a pain. It's just super easy. Yep. Obviously really important. Yeah. That's, 
Sometimes it's with the client. So sometimes it's a problem. We all have to get the in the room and talk through, and Slack's just not efficient for well, it. Well, and also management. I mean, just like yep. management meetings with the uh, with leaders mm-hmm. in the organization involve a lot of uh, a right. lot of hangouts. That's right. So I think that's it. It's leadership, like anything else, like everything in every organization. It comes down to leadership and having good advocates for the remote people. Yep. And well, good good tools that are fast. Yes. Tools that just sort of pretty much become part of the org and part of the culture where they're out of the way, frankly, and And you don't think about them. You know, the last thing, too, is engineering lines up pretty well. Like GitHub commits function as links that get posted into the the Slack channel. So the way that engineers work, the progress can be shown as links that get automatically pasted into chat. And that actually can kind of drive and shape the conversation. So it's very, in some ways, like engineering mindset and engineering work has led to a set of tools that maps pretty well to a large distributed remote team. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where we're at. I hope that helped um, answer the question. I think we answered it beautifully, but who am I to judge? We're going to do another question. Hey, okay. You ready, Rich? Let's do it. This is from Jason. Ready? Yes. Hello, hello. I have an iPhone and I've always thought they were pleasing to look at. They're a truly beautiful piece of design. So are other phones, Samsungs. I'm not partial. I think a lot of them are fine pieces of modern design. So isn't it such a shame that we wrap them up in these protective cases for the real fear of them being broken? I guess I don't have a direct question or comment. Just a stray thought that I think is an interesting problem. Because we all see ads for new phones. They sell them on how good they look, but everyone knows as soon as you get that iPhone 7, it's going to go straight into a five-pound otter box. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for the podcast. Hey, you're welcome. I, I can make a psychological observation. Go. It's like your baby. It's like you got a baby, a fragile little baby that you paid a lot of money. I mean, you ever broken? Have you ever broken a phone screen? I have. It's a colossal pain in the ass. I don't think it's utility, Paul. I think it's people just cherishing and loving the shiny thing that's going to really be beautiful and amazing in their hands and and have the game and and the what do you call that game? That annoying game with the sliding. Football? No. The really popular one. That, what is it? Three in a row? Dots? Not dots. You're being smart about it. Like the one that's ridiculous. What do you call it? Candy Crush. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's just the world to Oh, Bejeweled. Them. First off, Apple knows how to connect, how to create hardware like steel well, everybody, and glass. Everybody is. Now, Samsung devices are beautiful too. Everything's beautiful. Your brother loves Samsung devices. They're extremely expensive and they're beautiful. And- but I think more than more people than, don't know that your brother listens to every podcast and yells at us after every one, every single one, every single one. Just you guys, my yeah. God, yeah, you're idiots. And he has a Samsung phone. He always has uh, every notification turned on in a Samsung phone with like <sighs> one of those edge phones. Yeah, where it's, it's like just a, non-stop yeah, just a waterfall of nonstop data. At you. Yeah, and it's in a little brief, like a little folding case. He's got one of those going. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you have? I have a ballistic, which you can drop from like a hundred feet. I've dropped this a lot. I dropped mine probably. I want to be real cool about it and say I don't care about my phone. I just don't want it to break because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's true. I've dropped it a lot. It would have broken. But I think for a lot of people, I really believe it's just... Just I have to protect my cherished object. I guess uh, so. I drop my I think phone. That's about, part of it. I drop my phone thirty, forty times a day. It, I drop it a lot. Yeah. There's also another bit, which is it's a bit of fashion. It's not just black cases for a lot of people. It actually is, you know, good looks and yeah, mine's, mine's colorful not. and there's stripes and I pull mine out and people are like, Hey dad, does that clip on your belt? It's really ugly. I have You're, a better. You yeah. have an ugly case. But I have a bad tendency to drop them. 
that I case is protected. Big you know what old ham sandwich fumble fingers. Remember those Panasonic laptops that are really designed for construction sites? Oh, yeah, those are great. Rugged. You could chew them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what yours looks like. That's right. It looks, anyway. Yeah. It looks like it clips onto something. I think that's why they do it. I think they are in love with it. And the things you're in love with, you, you take good care of, like the way you hold a baby. Here's I had I had a friend, a late departed friend who I love very much. Her name was Leslie Harpold. And she had a, she had a great line. Once I was asking her about phone cases 10, 15 years ago, like early days of cell phones mm-hmm. and, or of, you know, cheap, easily flexible cell phones. And I was like, are you getting, you know, this kind of case or what are you doing? And she just went, you know, I don't like to buy stuff for my stuff. It's a powerful quote. It's a powerful sentiment. Yeah, it is a powerful I sentiment. don't like to buy stuff for my stuff. And I think about that a lot because you buy stuff. Yeah. And then they're like, well, you need the stylus. And you need a little briefcase for it. And it's got to wear well, a hat. It's a, it's a sales tactic, right? It's just endless. And, and we it, live in a world. And then endless. apps make it seem like you're, you know, they're virtual. You don't see them. But you're still buying. You're always buying stuff for your buying, stuff. I, I mean, the purchase of a $3 app or cheaper is there's zero invested in terms of the thought process. I'm like, I, I don't care. This might be garbage. 85% of the stuff I pay $2 for is garbage. Yeah, I mean, I think if you Except look... Except like Cadbury's. If you looked on your phone and it was like, how many apps are on there? It's probably something like 1,600. It's a gar... I have, you know, you can create little folders for your apps now. Oh, I've done that too. I have a, a folder called Rare... Yeah, that has all the stuff I never opened, but you know I don't want to. Not ready. To I don't want to admit that I was an idiot buying them, yeah. so I put them in this box. Two hundred and fifty note taking applications. It's just it's the same as like the reason there are storage units. The big the storage business is out there. Anyway, so here's what I would say about the iPhone is. It is kind of annoying, but we live in a you buy stuff for your stuff economy, and mm-hmm. you have to cover up its skin because otherwise it it's, it's fragile. It's fragile, and, it and they pretend break. it's not, but yeah, it is. It is. We all know it is. So there's utility, and there's psychology, and there's fashion. I think that's kind of the best way to sum it up. I mean, that's a kick-ass breakdown right there. Yeah, that's great. That's really good work. We'll just put that big block quote in the medium. Medium, <laughs> you can like make a make things bigger. Oh, that'll be faved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all good. Get a, get a couple extra hearts. Okay. All right, Rich. We you know, one we have qu- that segment, Paul. Can I tell you? Yeah. This email question dovetails beautifully into that segment. Go. I have, this is from Tom in New Jersey. I have okay. a usability question for you. I love Spotify and the service that they provide and happily pay for it every month. However, I find myself increasingly frustrated by their app's lousy user interface. Just when I think that I finally mastered the nuanced differences between liking a song, saving a song, adding a song to a playlist, it seems that they change the interface, move features around, or drop them all together, and very possibly redefine those aforementioned confusing terms. In past shows, you've griped about Spotify's lousy interface, and you pitch PostLite as the answer to these sort of problems. So fix it, or pretend that PostLite got hired to fix Spotify's usability mess. Fix it is interesting, right? There, There is this... There is this kind of um, scene out there where people unilaterally go ahead and redesign Re- stuff. It's always always yeah. horrible to watch. It's it's always horrible to watch. It's like the equivalent of like fan poster art. You know, there's a whole yeah, scene around yeah, movies. Like, it'll be like, um, you know, R2-D2 in the style of Casablanca. 
Right. Exactly, exactly. Like, visit Star so Wars. Like, I don't like LinkedIn. Here's what it should be. Yeah. And it's just this. Well, and it's always surface, right? Because the actual design work to fix LinkedIn, which Microsoft did quite a bit of when There's they bought it. There's a lot of change. It, but it's still like it's. Microsoft did that great job of rebooting LinkedIn, but it's been a couple months now, and the seams are really showing. Yeah, like, we're back to square one. Yeah, a you just bit. sort of feel it's it's like an inception in that when they go yeah. way inside the dream and all the buildings are crumbling. That's right. That's LinkedIn. But That's we're right. not here to talk about LinkedIn. We're here to talk about Spotify. First, we should make clear they are not a client. They're not a client. They should be. The Spotify interface is from the last time I read about it, it's created by lots of different teams and assembled into one master build. So you don't just see, and it's all based on JavaScript and some custom C++ components and on and on and on. But what you're seeing is this sort of almost dynamically assembled set of playlist logic and perspective. Okay. It's the equivalent of... You know when you get go and get catering for your party and it's just charcuterie and it's just all sorts of cheeses and hams and crackers? Sure, it's very relatable. Everybody has this experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This you reminds know, me of that David Brooks sandwich yeah, uh, op-ed. Piece. You know when you have a swimming pool installed? <laughs> No, you can get this from Costco. All right, yeah, everybody knows. It. Shrink wrap. Honestly, all you had to say was, you know how you go get like a cold cuts board? You just blew it with charcuterie. New York right. City. Let's move on. Media elite. Let's move on. Okay. So uh, we've complained about Spotify in the past. I That's can the complain. Thing. Here's the we thing. want to keep going? Yeah, the issue with Spotify is that we use it every day. I use it constantly. I mean, let's throw a hat tip out here oh uh, yeah the no. breadth of the catalog mm. in spotify mazel is, tov for their licensing division just incredible yeah. and the core streaming product is good in that i can listen to a song and it's i can't cool. tell you the last time i couldn't listen to a song the quality of the stream and the speed in which it gets going mm-hmm. is in, is they, really impressive they nailed it that they stuff is it. unbelievably hard it's yeah. very easy to take for granted yeah, yeah. but now let's talk about the I mean, can i make no. a point about the breadth of that catalog uh, you found an album of Brazilian soccer announcers screaming goal. Yeah, it was even better. It was a sound effect album of fake goals. And it's amazing. From the Brazilian World Cup. It cheered me up. If goal! you're feeling down, if you're like feeling that. down, just play It those. is true. We'll, we'll put a link in. So the issue with Spotify from my point of view, is the uncanny valley problem, which is everybody has designed this kind of like their part of the product. Mm-hmm. And then someone else goes over and designs their part of the product. Then they use the widget toolkit and follow all the approved mm-hmm. things. But because there's no like gestalt manager who's watching and making sure everybody gets the rectangles yeah. right. This en- is the tyranny of Steve Jobs example that I've given in the past. Sure. There is no one. It doesn't seem like an evil person is saying it must be this way. It Enough. Seems, yeah. When you sit down to use Spotify, you are sitting at a conference room table where everyone has a voice. Well, and they're talking at the same time. And, ta- <laughs> and, and that is exact. Everyone's talking. You know, there's no like man or woman who puts two fists on the table and yeah. says, we are done. Yes. First of all, they have committed to this interface that looks like some sort of bad dashboard from a database in 1999 it looks yeah. like an mp3 it's really player weird. yeah it's you're really just weird. it's just words everywhere and you can't tell what's up and yeah and then you go on mobile and it's a whole nother world and yeah. it's just bad it, yeah okay? and and by the way this is an unconventional attempt to get spotify to hire us we can they, do this for you spotify we've insulted you constantly but you know what it's a tough love thing 
Come on over. Well, it's not just we that. We care let's, about this app so much let's that be we realistic. would give you, there's a coupon code that would be right there with the contract. Let's be realistic here. First of all, the issues with the design are absolutely, um, they reflect genuine institutional concerns that that we are probably only privy to and can only imagine about 10%. Oh, you're going to get empathetic now. Well, no, just like I know if I was at Spotify listening to this and someone was completely trashing my work, what I would be saying was they just don't understand how hard it is. Now, I want to say something to that person. I do. I know exactly how hard it is and you're not doing good work. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I yeah. just, I can't, I, mean, I use it every day. I spend I, my money. I'm not buying it, frankly. I I'm mean, not buying it fold either. Fold it all in. It's been a while. This, Where's anything? Where's a single, like a search uh, bar that makes sense? Let's just, reference something here. Whew. Let's reference uh, our legacy podcast. Okay. Uh, which is. It's deep intertextual web of, of references to podcasts. There's a lot going on, yeah. um, which by the way, may increase listeners. That's right. We'll see. That's right. Um, uh the legacy podcast. One of the things we talked about is just the power and the inertia of uh, the older thing, and how hard it is to oh, convince yeah, everybody commi- to line up. Look, if I'm Spotify and I hear these two guys bitching and moaning, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there and go, look at my valuation. What's your valuation, little boy? Uh, let's we go gonna- inside. Let's say I'm in Spotify okay. and they hire the chief design officer, whose job it is to bring this all together. I'm gonna dig in. And defend my little world, my peace, my island will be defended. Like, uh, it's not just I, that we have a strong engineering culture. We, you know, those guys have that rectangle. I got that rectangle. Yeah. You're gonna, bl- it's been working. You want to blow it up? Yeah. But I'll tell you, as a user, blow it up. Please blow Please, it up. Please, my God. You I, know what you could do? We literally have people writing to us to complain about Spotify. <laughs> we're at that point. Okay, that's where we're at. And this is not to say that I'm not coming for Google Inbox. There is a day when Google Inbox. I don't know why you use that crap. I don't know. Whatever. There is going to be a reckoning because because every time I log into Gmail, it's like, hey, Paul, we've updated the email experience. I got tired of it. And now, you just gave it. oh, man, they just like jam that cookie into your cookie hole and yeah. you just can't get away from it. <laughs> right? So Google Inbox is about to get the treatment way in excess of Spotify. Cause, yeah. but, but there is a part of me. It's just like, why is it this bad all just the time? Just go do it. Billions of dollars. Don't make it so bad. Is there an end-to-end API for Spotify, do you think? Uh, there is. If there is, then you know what you do? Hire an island team and let them take a crack at it. Don't replace anything. Let's call it Spotify Green or Spotify Blue, like code name it. They have an open API. I wouldn't be surprised if there are five or ten of these that are at some significant level of effort. It's like in a folder somewhere. Uh, Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. Somebody's saying no. Somebody's saying no. I think that's right. Look, I think there's a very easy argument for them to make that it's working. It's a beast. That Actually, can, Spotify is a is a machine. That yeah, you I mean, need to you know, are we? Of. We're advocating. We could be advocating. You yep. and I. This and is I pay real. fourteen dollars a month for the family plan. Yeah, I mean, we could be advocating that they do something that costs them business and impacts their revenue. Right. Okay. I, you know what I didn't do? I didn't jump on to Dr. Dre's bullshit. Oh yeah, that thing. I don't think it's even around anymore. Well, no, it was, it was Apple Music or Beats Music. They or folded all. Yeah, in who knows? But Apple Music yeah. is another beast. It's a beast, but Spotify is a monster. Well, Spotify, yeah. Spotify's got me with lock-in. Yeah. And I just have so many opinions about it. But anyway, look. Here's what's wrong with Spotify. Fix it. Yeah. Every little widget is its own little world. There's no idea of like saving. And every time they fix it, they make it worse. So it's time to fix. You got to fix the culture. 
Whatever the culture is around designing, maybe you building, can't. and shipping. Maybe yeah. it's rude in Norway. Where is Spotify? <sighs> Dutchland, Norwegia, one of those. <laughs> I think I said Norwegia once. Yeah. Just fix it. We're not I know it's rude. Let a New York team fix it because New York wouldn't tolerate it. And uh, by the way, we're on 101 Fifth Avenue <laughs> in New York City. That's my, right. And we're called Postlight. And if you want to get in touch with us, Spotify, uh, po- hello at postlight.com. Talk yeah. about emails we're not going to receive. Don't hesitate. Don't even. I've met a couple of, uh, they've, they've been at little kids' birthday parties at my house. And I got a weird look. Well, they always do the thing where they're like, look, hey, I'm glad to hear your feedback. And then you start in and they're like, their eyes get wide. And then they just stare down at the the birthday cake. Yeah, because they just ask ask the worst person in the world, essentially. Like, (laughs) like, oh, this is nice. This guy really is in He's a really passionate user of our product. And then it's like you open your mouth and they look in and they see the fires of hell and there's a little devil with a pitchfork. (laughs) And they're like, I have another friend, by the way, who's on the label team and- She's kicking ass. I mean, label relations, Spotify, they're conquering the world. You know what, though? And then I start complaining to her about buttons and levers. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? she just looks at me and says, well, I'll see who I can talk to. (laughs) It's just this, like, beautiful back end, but with, like, a Windows Vista level front end. It's just a It's a rough scene. It's a rough scene. All right. Well, look, that's, that's us driving our company into the ground. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? And that ends our podcast, Paul. Well, let's get back to work, Rich. All right. Enjoy the week, everyone. Bye.